Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of Halitech Hall. Good morning, folks. We are just about 13 days away from the start of the season, and we are continuing to take a look at the preseason. And then, as we always do, we look back uh, because basically right now it is Packer Week. Let's just call it what it is. Good morning, Mr. Halitech. Good morning, Double A. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Palatech Hall. We've got a lot of things happening on this episode from going over what we saw against the Giants, good and bad. Uh, we lost a member of the, the Bears uh, recently. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about his impact on the team and what his uh, career looked like. And uh, we've got some things going on with our sponsor, Tick Splits. And then we're going to dig into the rich rivalry that is the best in all of sports, Bears versus the Packers. So, Aaron, start us off. What uh, What's going on currently in, in Bearsville? Uh, well, of course, we did have a game, if that's what you want to call it, in New York. Um there was a contest. Two teams did dress in pads and uh, did take the field. Um, so that was something uh, of note. Um, we've got, um, you know, uh, of course, a bit of news um, uh, this past week, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But, um, you know, the kicker uh, battle uh, continues with uh, with uh, Mr. Uh, Fry being cut and Eddie being the uh, the guy who's who's. Uh, now given the chance to get all the reps and show what he can do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think that the game in New York, um, is you just kind of throw it away. I mean, I think there's, there's some, some stuff of note, some people got a chance to play, but, um, in general, uh, I, I didn't watch it like super intently, but what I watched of it, I felt like, boy, I don't know why I watched that because, uh, number one, we're playing the Giants this season, so they're not going to show them absolutely anything um, in terms of the playbook or or what they're going to do. And then, you know, Nagy, as now is his way, um, he didn't play anybody. And, and honestly, I'm absolutely fine with that. Um, you know, I, I guess I sort of feel bad for the people that that play, you know, bought the preseason tickets, you know, but I mean, if they thought they were going to see a lot of starters, I don't really know what they're thinking exactly. Cause it's, you know, even the teams that play starters are only going to play them for a couple of series. So, you know, um, but yeah, it was a rough, uh, it was a rough watch and a lot of stupid takes on Facebook and Twitter about, you know, chase Daniel and, and, uh, you know, our depth and, you know, there's a lot of kind of people see plays that are bad and the sky is falling and whatnot. So uh, what, what did you think about the, the Giants uh, event? <laughs> if we're not going to call it a game, I don't think you could call it a game. The, uh, the scrimmage that was uh, Bears versus Giants. Uh, for those that are just bashing Chase Daniel, keep in mind. Chase Daniel is a backup. Everybody along the line were backups. They started the game against the Giants' first-string defense. Maybe a couple of their their higher-profile starters weren't in the lineup, and quite frankly, I don't know and I don't care. But it was, for the most part, in the first quarter, 
all of the Giants' ones versus all of the Bears' twos. He completed 67% of his passes. It only was for like 100 and some odd yards, but he completed two-thirds of his passes against primarily what was the Giants' first string. Now, if you want to talk about their third-string quarterback and the depth there, yeah, let's talk about that. Because, you know, after watching him last year in the preseason, after watching him this year in the preseason, I I don't think the Bears are going to keep three quarterbacks on the roster. They have, they have needs for uh, keeping uh, special teamers. So wide receiver, they're, I, I swear they're going to keep seven wide receivers. They're going to keep four or five running backs. They're going to keep five probably tight ends. And they all have to do their part. The linebackers have to do their part, the reserves uh, in special teams. So Bray's not going to make the team. He'll be lucky. I think, I believe he's got one last exemption year where he could be on the practice squad. But after watching him last year in preseason and this year in preseason, I don't think the Bears have anything to worry about with putting him on the practice squad. But, um, yeah, there were there were a couple of bad things, too. Uh, Nall, who's going to have to make it on special teams as well, he committed a penalty. His penalty was crucial when Kareth White returned the ball from the end zone out to the 35. He had a holding penalty, and that's when Chase Daniel had the the snap from shotgun go through his hands and ended up in a safety. So if they're not backed up that far, maybe we have a completely different outcome there. Uh, Irving, Isaiah Irving, he's the guy that committed the holding penalty on Kareth White's 103-yard touchdown return that got nullified. That was nowhere close to the point of attack where Kareth White was. So that's a huge blunder on Irving's part. So when you take those things into consideration, those are three guys that I don't know if they'll, they'll quite frankly make the 53-man team. But where there were some good things, Aaron. What did you see on the, the positive side of this controlled scrimmage? Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought Wims looked good again. Um, he got some run. Um, you know, uh, obviously you mentioned Kareth White. That uh, you know his speed it really jumps off uh, the screen. Um, I think he, I think he has. I think he might sneak on the roster. Um, I would I would put him ahead of of Brian Nall for sure. Um, I mean Nall at the end of the day, you know he's had an okay camp. He's had an okay preseason. He can he can do a few things. Um, I just feel like he doesn't fit the mold of of the of the other backs, you know, uh, in terms of the versatility, you know, when he, when when Nall's on the field, you know, the defense just gets a different, you know, has a it can sort of eliminate some things, um, and that's what Nagy doesn't want. He doesn't want their formation or their personnel grouping to give away uh, what they're going to do. Um, so, you know, I don't think he was particularly notable. The tight ends. Um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of positives. Um, it's there's not a lot. Um, Pat O'Donnell continues to have a good preseason. Um, I thought he he's been kicking pretty well. Um, the special teams in general is still rough. I mean, I know they don't get to practice it very much, but I'm starting to 
to really question even more, and I've been questioning it for for gosh, you know, two seasons. Why Tabor is still around? Because I just don't. I don't feel like he's. I don't feel like he's very good. I don't feel like he he makes our special teams players better. I don't think his units are very good. Kickoff, kickoff return, um, except for punt return, which is really all Tariq Cohen. It doesn't really have anything to do with, you know, I mean, when Tariq does his thing, it's not really because he gets amazing blocking. It's just because he's, he's so fast and elusive. And so, I mean, that, you know, you'd like to see that's what, should be happening and that's probably the biggest thing that we should be seeing out of these games is that the special teams is getting practice um you know and you saw uh eddie uh fry um i can't even think of his first name um missed that kick and when he missed that 47 yarder i said and i said it on twitter i say he lost the job right there um and it turns out i was right um you know, Pinheiro, I mean, he just he just has the stronger leg. In, and I think at the end of the day, you know, that's that, you know, I guess that's a positive you could take away from it. Um, you know, it's not easy to kick in the Meadowlands either. Um, but other than that, I mean, I wanted to see something from the tight ends. I didn't really see it. Uh, Clifton Duck, um, that was that was cool moment for him to make that great interception, um, although I don't think he should have gotten caught. Um, he should have taken it all the way to the house. Um, who was who was that the, the the giant receiver that tracked him? Because he came out of nowhere and attacked. I don't. I don't. And, and tackled Duck. It was a, It was just an amazing uh, feat on his part, a physical the, effort to to catch yeah, the guy. That I don't even know. The Giants receivers are like a. I don't even know who they are. I mean, they have Shepard and. Tate, who's playing, but he's going to be suspended. And then they got Benny Fowler, who was a Bronco and actually was on the Bears last season for a while. Um, or maybe the two seasons ago, I think it was 17, he was on the team, uh, but didn't make the team. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who caught him, but he, he shouldn't have been caught. But, uh, but that was cool. I mean, I don't know if Clifton Duck's going to make the team. But he, he might be a practice squad guy, but you never know. I mean, he's definitely shown a nose for the ball, and and um, you know he's got a he, he's got a little bit of uh, ability to him. Um, I think Franklin and Tolliver are ahead of him uh, as far as the defensive backfield goes. Um, you know, I didn't. I would have, like I said, I would have liked to have seen more from the tight ends, and then I think uh, inside linebacker didn't really didn't really show itself very well and outside linebacker either. I mean, Kylie Fitz is not an NFL player. Uh, Matt Betts is not an NFL player. Um, you know, may, I don't even know if he's a project at this point. I think he's going to go back to Canada. Um, the, I think Josh Woods, um, looks pretty good. Irving didn't look great. Um, Kevin Pierre Lewis is a special teams stud, so I think he's got that, you know, an in, in inside linebacker. Iubunue uh, Iggy didn't look that hot. Um, 
you know, so, I mean, I don't know, you know, I, it's hard to, it's hard to take too much away from this and judge too much, but at the same time, you know, we keep coming back to these same position groups, you know, being special teams, inside linebacker, um, to some degree outside linebacker and tight end. And I'm still not really seeing anybody step up. So, um, that's a little bit, so, you know, it's a little bit frustrating, but you know, other than that, I didn't really see much of note. A couple of things that were, were interesting in the game. Uh, you, had, you mentioned that, you know, we've talked about Kareth white. That he was in that one yard run that he had showed, showed some physical toughness inside the tackles and he's our speed guy, so that was nice to see. Uh, we talked about Javon Wins, five catches for 64 yards. Uh, there wasn't a lot in the passing game. Uh, Ridley had only three grabs for 19 yards. Uh, Vaughters, uh, that strip sack, he flashed. A Ducks interception, he flashed. So there was there were some good things that we did see during the game. Uh, I don't think that the Bears targeted the tight ends very much at all during this game. So, unfortunately, this game wasn't a game that focused on the tight end position group, so we really didn't get a chance to see anything out of those guys. We know that we know that, that Trey Burton is going to be there. We pretty much know that, that Saul's going to be there. Uh, it looks like Broniker is a lock. Uh, so it comes down to to those other guys uh, bunting and the and the, the rest of the group as to see who's going to be that fourth tight end. Um, you can play your game. You can play your way onto a roster or the practice squad. Maybe not for the Bears, for but for one of the other 31 teams. But you can also play yourself off the roster. Uh, Irving's penalty on White's kickoff return for a touchdown was a huge thing. If, if he's going to be a member of the team, he's going to have to perform on special teams. That was huge. Elliot Fry, of course, missing that field goal and subsequently being cut. Uh, Bray, again, he just looked like he just isn't there. And last but not least, and this is a guy that many people – Last year, we're complaining about why is he even in the game? Taekwon Mizell uh, looked absolutely terrible in, in the game Friday night. He had two fumbles. Uh, I believe he carried the ball four times. He had a negative yard, a couple, couple of negative runs. I think he ended up with one yard rushing and two fumbles, and they were both recovered by New York. So... I believe I tweeted at the, at the time after the game that, that uh, Taekwon Mizell just played his way off the roster. Two guys, uh, Nall and Bray, probably are locks for the practice squad. Um, but you had mentioned, Aaron, special teams. And there's a, there's a couple things that we're missing on special teams because some of our starters actually play special teams. They play on kickoff returns. They play on the punt return team. So we're missing that aspect of those superior athletes being on the field during the preseason when the special teams are out on the field. You mentioned that Elliot Fry, of course, got cut uh, a couple of days ago. And I really like to hear what, what Coach Nagy had to say about that. He went up to 
to uh, our our kicker that's on the roster now, um, Eddie Pinheiro, and said, don't think that every kick is a kick that you have to make to maintain your job. I've got your back. And that's a confidence thing. And to have your coach have your back is huge in any skill position, but so important in, in especially your kicker. We're going to go back, way back in history, the, the Washington Redskins had a kicker by the name of, of Mosley, and this is back in the 60s or 70s. And I don't know if George Allen was the coach of the team back then or not, but there was a time late in the game where they had a field goal opportunity and they bypassed it to kick it deep into the to the opponent's zone. And when asked about that particular time on the field, the coach said, I didn't think he could make the kick. He had made 12 straight going into that game, and he went 500 the rest of the year after that. After he heard his coach say, I didn't think he could make it. So confidence is a huge part of the kicking game. And Coach Nagy did absolutely the right thing by saying, here you go, the job is yours, relax, and just kick the ball. So that was good to see. What were your thoughts about Coach Nagy's comments? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, good. And and I I like that they put Pinheiro up there after that, too. They put him up behind the mic, and I thought – I thought he was good. He was very honest. I think he's been um, – what I like about Pinheiro is that he's, he seems like he's a real guy. He doesn't just speak in uh, PR coach sound bites. He's gotten some heat about different things. I mean, somebody, you know, wrote that uh, – you know, took a quote of his that said, you know – basically a reporter asked him, is it annoying – you know, this, the way this is going. And he said, and he was honest. He said, yeah, it's, it's annoying sometimes feeling like every kick <laughs> means your job. And people were like, Oh, he can't take the pressure. And it's like, you know, what do you want? I mean, if, if, if we, we want these guys to, to be honest and to give us real talk. And that's one of the things we love about Nagy as opposed to, to Fox and Tressman and Lovey. And that, you know, he, 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 he really opens up, and, and speaks um, honestly as he can without giving up a competitive advantage. But, I mean, Pinero is being real. And, I, you know, I think what if, you know, what if at your job every single thing that you did could mean that you potentially lost your job? You know, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it would be it would be annoying. And if somebody asked you that, you would say, yeah, this is annoying. Um you know, and and it is. It's it's nerve wracking. It's annoying, and you know. But at the end of the day, that's also the life of an NFL kicker. I mean, you know, these guys get on the field four or five times to kick a field goal in a game. Maybe, um, you know, maybe three, four extra points. You know, maybe six kickoffs. Whatever the case may be. Um, if they're well, lucky, hopefully they make six kickoffs. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. Chicago. Six kickoffs would be amazing. We'd be, we'd be, uh, you know, we, 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 our offense would be humming. But, you know, I mean, they get a very short uh, uh, time to do anything, so the pressure is very high. It's like, it's like having to make a putt on the 18th green at Augusta, you know, four times in a game. 
Um, you know, and, and and at the end of the day, they miss kicks. I mean, they do. They miss kicks. And one of the things that I put out this week um, was that Super Bowl teams have had kickers that missed kicks. It it has happened. There's sort of become this idea that we have to find the next Robbie Gold or everything is sunk, and that's just not the case. I mean, you know, I look at and, – and the two of the things that, that I brought up is the Giants seasons, the two Giants seasons that they won the Super Bowl recently. One year they were 10-6, and six, one year they were 9-7, uh, and – they had Lawrence Tynes as a kicker both times. He didn't have a perfect year. He didn't have a perfect playoffs. He made kicks when it mattered, and he made big kicks. But he missed kicks in the playoffs. He missed kicks in the regular season. You know, they were wild card team that had far from perfect quarterback play. They didn't have a number one ranked defense. Like it, it, it's sort of uh, sort of springboards off of the kicker thing, but. I think Bears fans need to relax a little bit because it, it, you have to remember that just because you you know have a number one defense or you have a, an amazing quarterback or you have doesn't mean you're gonna win the Super Bowl. Just ask the Patriots. They went 16 and 0, and Tom Brady had an amazing season, and the Giants beat them in the Super Bowl. On a season that they were 10 and six, so you know it, it's. I think we're we're sort of getting into this phase as fans where it's like, you know, we just have this idea that if Trubisky doesn't become X, Y, or Z, the sky is falling. If Pinheiro doesn't become Robbie Gold, the sky is falling. If the defense isn't the number one defense and doesn't challenge the 85 Bears, the sky is falling. None of that matters. I mean, the Bears could be. Nine and seven, they could be sixteen and zero. They have to win the games that are in front of them. And once you get in the tournament for the Super Bowl, anything can happen. Um, you know, my biggest thing is that what I when I, and we've talked about this before is that the team needs to play complementary football, and you know the special teams needs to hold up their end of that. And that's in all phases, and that's in punting, that's in downing kicks. When the when you get a good punt, that's in covering kicks, that's in making your field goals, making your extra points. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, Coach Nagy saying he's got the guys back is true, but he also said that this is not over, you know, um, and they're going to continue to to look and see what else is out there. They're watching every other kicker in the uh, in the league right now. That, that might get cut. I mean, you've got the situation in Carolina with Graham Gano and Joey Sly. You know, people don't know what's going to go on with that. I mean, the, the younger guys had a good camp and a good preseason. Uh, but then I think the other thing that's important that Nagy mentioned is that this guy, Pinheiro, has never kicked in an NFL game. So, and he said, that could go great. <laughs> Eric could go terrible. So. It can. You're you're absolutely right. Last couple of last thoughts about this kicker situation. Uh, you could have the best kicker in the year uh, and still not make the playoffs. You could have the best kicker and he blows a kick in the playoffs. The Minnesota Vikings uh, were 15 and one 
back uh, a few years ago. They were still playing at the old Metrodome. And their kicker, his last name was Anderson, was perfect during the regular season. Perfect during the regular season. Fans, listen to that. He was perfect during the regular season. He lined up for a game-winning field goal in the NFC Championship game in Minnesota at home against the Falcons, and he missed it wide. And the Falcons went on to go to the Super Bowl only to be destroyed by, I believe it was Denver at the time. So you never know, okay? Score a touchdown. Get rid of the field goal altogether. Just score a touchdown, and hopefully the Bears will be scoring a lot of touchdowns. And last point, uh, Nagy had some criticism this week. An article was written about the process when they brought in all of these kickers during the offseason. A lot of them were youngsters. None of them ended up making the cut, and they were, they were quite frankly, a little critical of the intensity of the tryout. And Coach Nagy stood up like a man in the last press conference and said, tell you what, I promised the fans that I would leave no stone unturned to find a kicker for this team. So God bless him for sticking to his guns. And uh, one of my friends, uh, and one of your friends at the Windy City Gridiron, uh, Mr. Wilfong, uh, on Twitter said, how many of those kickers that the Bears didn't keep are kicking in the NFL right now? And, and the answer is none of them. So enough said on the kicking situation. Um, we had some interesting things. At least I had some interesting things going on in Twitter this past week. None other than than our our slot receiver, Mr. Gabriel. Uh, he actually posted a picture of his his grab that the long bomb against Minnesota in the last game of the year uh, that Trubisky threw him uh, led him perfectly. He, I think, and I I will stick to my guns that he blew the catch. He caught the ball, but he waited until he was at the five-yard line. He jumped, and the ball, he was actually on his way down when he caught the ball. He ended up getting tackled at the one-yard line. And I will forever think that if he would have adjusted his route slightly about 10 yards back at the 15 and took a couple of uh, of hesitation steps at the 15 so he could have run through the ball. The the defender never would have caught him, and he would have run into the the end zone for a touchdown. As a result, when he left his feet, he slowed down. The defender was able to get him, almost knocked the ball out of his hands, uh, but Taylor Gabriel caught the ball. And uh, so I said, said to him when he posted it, I said it was a great catch, but... And he came back and said, no, you got to go after the ball. And we had a couple of uh, people came on. Uh, some defended Taylor Gabriel, what he was saying, and questioned what I was saying. And a couple of people actually agreed with me. So that was an interesting take. I, uh, I just told Taylor, I said, I love you. I love the Bears. I'll just agree to disagree. So that was kind of interesting that Taylor Gabriel actually replied to my comment. I'd love to see it. I'd actually love to have him on the show if we could ever get him on. The second was 
in Bears Twitter, we all know him. We all hate him. He uh, he follows. Uh, he's an avid Green Bay Packer fan, and I have no problem with Green Bay Packer fans because I love the rivalry. We're going to talk a lot about the rivalry in the second half of our show. Uh, but this guy, I'm not even going to name his name because you all know him. Uh, he posted recently about the Bears misspending their money at the running back position. It, he's just crazy. So I challenged him on it. And then I challenged him to this. I said, I'll, I'll tell you what. Since you're so cocky and you're such a Bears troll, if the Bears win, you have to come on the Halitech Hall show and let Aaron and I grill you. And if the Packers win, I will come gladly come on to your show and let you just grill the hell out of me. And I got crickets as a reply. So when I posted that uh, he said nothing, because he didn't, he just never answered me. He comes on and says, I said no, but um, um, his words were, but if you're not going to be adult about it, you kind of prove my point. So he never said no, he just never answered. So all I got was crickets from him. Uh, the challenge still stands. So Mr. Bear Troll and Packer fan, uh, come on, put your money where your mouth is and come on our show after the Bears beat the Packers two weeks from today or so. And uh, put your money where your mouth is. We're here, man. We're not running away. Uh, we speak the truth at all times. So um, so that said, um, we lost a member of the Bears fraternity this past uh, weekend when Cedric Benson was killed in a, in a motorcycle van accident. Uh, it was gruesome. Um, he actually is, there's a picture of him laying on the ground uh, after the, shortly after the accident, and his body's on fire. So it's absolutely gruesome. My, my heart bleeds for, for, the, for the Bears fraternity and for Cedric Benson. Cedric Benson, uh, unfortunately, was, was troubled uh, at the hands of some of Bears players and some of the coaches when he first came to town. And we, we unfortunately kind of ran him out of town. But let me go over some career numbers for Cedric Benson. Cedric Benson was drafted by the Bears in the first round in 2005, and he played until 2012. He ended his career after the first five games of the season against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, but he ended up in his career with, with 6,017 yards rushing. After he left the Bears after three years, he was with Cincinnati for four. During those four years, he averaged 1,000 yards per season. And like I said, he finished with 6,017 yards. And to put that in perspective, if he would have had that career with the Bears, he would have ended up fourth all-time in Bears history in rushing. That's pretty significant. So rest in peace, Cedric Benson. Uh, you were, you know, you were just hitting your stride in 2007. Uh, then you hurt your ankle against the, the Denver Broncos in a game that the Bears came from behind to win in overtime. Uh, you were you were a hell of a back. Uh, his numbers don't show it in yards per carry, 
He only averaged 3.8 yards per carry um, when in his career. He was a 4.1 for the most part with, with the Bears. So, uh, man, uh, rest in peace, my friend. It was great to see Thomas Jones uh, put out a tweet on Twitter uh, calling him family and that he will be missed. Aaron, your last thoughts on Cedric Benson? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, very sad, 36 years old. Um, he seemed like he had a really vibrant life post, um, post-football. He was an avid horse rider, uh, obviously an avid motorcycle rider. Um, you know, one of his last posts on Instagram was a picture of his BMW motorcycle, and it's, you know, had two helmets on the back, and it said, my Saturday night. Um, so he's obviously going out with a girlfriend and, uh, you know, the details of the crash have not come out yet. Um, I mean, obviously he hit a, a van and whether or not he was in the wrong or, I mean, it, it was a couple of things about that day. There were a lot of people, um, on Twitter, uh, some of the reporters, some of the, um, people that I, I felt like really just needed to resist the urge to editorialize um they they really just needed to it was a day for saying rest in peace and and you know um what a terrible loss of a young person's life um but instead they they felt the need to mention you know that um cedric benson was a bust or cedric benson um you know they want to go back to his arrest, uh, you know, and a boating incident when he was a, you know, rookie or what? I mean, it was just so inappropriate to do at that time. Um, you know, I mean, the guy, the, the guy, unfortunately, uh, came in. It was a strange, it was a weird thing for them to draft him with Thomas Jones being uh, there. Um, you know, it, it was a strange time. Um, you know, the, the team was very clicky at that time. He ne- he held out, um, which didn't help him. Uh, a lot of the team, you know, a lot of his teammates, um, you know, didn't uh, think he should have held out and they didn't, you know, it's not like now when guys held out and there's this solidarity about it, like it's a business, players got to do what they got to do. Back then, you know, when players held out, it was, you know, they, they got kind of crapped on. Um, and so he had a, he had a tough time um, meshing with the team. Um, and, it, and it was interesting that Thomas Jones came out the way he came out. And, and I loved, I like Thomas Jones. His post playing career has been great. He's very successful in Hollywood. He's, he's been on a lot of podcasts, been on a lot of radio shows. He's very thoughtful. Um, but I, I think, he was a little bit revisionist in terms of their relationship. Um, you know, and, and I listened to Moon Mullen on his podcast. So he has a podcast with JJ Stankovitz called Under the Center Podcast, um, which is very good. Um, and, you know, and, and he talked a little bit about their their relationship. And, you know, it, it was very competitive, you know, and, and that's fine. I mean, I think, you know, there's a separation of, of church and state in terms of these players when they – compete with each other on the field and, you know, whether or not they're quote unquote friends or so on and so forth. Um, you know, it, it was just sad. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just sad to see somebody young like that die, uh, no matter how it happens. Um, and, you know, and, and I just think you look back on it and you say, um, you know, I think you mentioned, we were talking before the show that if he had amassed all those yards 
as a Bears running back, he he'd be revered as one of the best to ever play in a Bears uniform. Um, the other thing I think about it is that people forget this guy is a Texas football legend. He's one of the greatest football players to ever play Texas high school sports, and he's one of the ba- greatest football players to ever play Texas college sports. And at a university like University of Texas, that's not a small feat. He's still, I think, the fourth leading rusher in Texas football history. He, you know, had tons of carries. He won three state championships in high school. Uh, he, he, of course, won, um, won the Rose Bowl with Vince Young, which is one of the, you know, one of the best college football games, um, you know, that really I've ever seen. I mean, that, that's one of the that's a that was just a fantastic game. And him and Vince Young were just amazing players. So, you know, it sucks when you have to kind of do a retrospective on a guy. But I just think that's sometimes the problem with Twitter is people just can't help themselves. Um uh, you know, with uh, with editorializing and kind of jumping the gun, and you know, people of course, you know, assumed that he was drunk or speeding or you know this, that, or the other. And it's like, well, you know, you look at his Instagram and the guy's an experienced motorcycle rider, um, you know, who rode dirt bikes and regular motorcycles all the time. And I mean, and honestly, like if you ride a BMW motorcycle you're not an amateur rider. Those are serious motorcycles with big, heavy engines. It's not just like a, you know, like a weekenders, you know, kind of a motorcycle. Um, you know, you don't choose a motorcycle like that if you don't know what you're doing. And, you know, so we'll see what, what comes out. I mean, it's, it's tragic. At the end of the day, it's a tragedy. The guy... Um, is dead, and the woman who was on the motorcycle with him is dead, and they're never coming back. And it's always unfortunate to kind of, um, you know, see that that sort of thing happen uh, and to see it play out. So, yeah, R.I.P. He'll be missed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cedric, rest in peace. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. All right. Thanks very much to TickSplits.com. Welcome back. Uh, of course, you can get 5% off your order for any tickets that you get from TickSplits.com by using the promo code TAILGATE. That's T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E, all caps, 5% off your order. You can literally get tickets for anything. Um, they have tickets to any event you can imagine. It's super easy to find them. Uh, you get on there, you see the tickets, and there is the price, and that is the price you pay. There's no secret uh, price additives or preservatives or uh, <laughs> or any any uh, filler uh, like the other guys like to do. Um, and then of course you put in your promo tailgate and you get five percent off your order. And we are so thankful to have Tixblitz sponsor uh, this show. And uh, also Michael, what else are they sponsoring uh, for us here at uh, the Haltech Hall? Well, we've already given away. Tickets to both preseason games. So all you have to do in order to 
get our next giveaway is follow us on Twitter. There's no purchase necessary. All you have to do is follow us. We need to get to 500 followers, and we will give away a pair of tickets to the Detroit Lions game November 10th at Soldier Field. So that is absolutely amazing. Uh, we also have a contest uh, going on for our listeners on the podcast. You won't hear this contest anywhere else. We're not advertising it except for a teaser on our Twitter feeds. So all you have to do is send an email to Halitech Hall. That's all one word, Hall at gmail.com. In the subject line, put Bears tickets. And then we need your full name, your real name, and your Twitter handle. That's it. You just send us an email, and you're going to be put into a drawing. We're going to pick at random. And you get two tickets for the September 29th game against the Minnesota Vikings. So uh, we really want to thank Tick Splits, our sponsor. They do a hell of a job. Uh, their growth is phenomenal. They've only been in the arena of, of sports and concert tickets for this is only their second full year. And they're up over 500% year to date. So we want to thank Tick Splits for everything they do for our tailgate. So, uh, Give them a shot, guys. No service fees. The price you see is the price you pay. And as Aaron mentioned, whether it's whether it's football, baseball, NASCAR, basketball, hockey, bull riding, uh, mixed martial arts, anything that you want in the sporting arena is there. And they literally have thousands of concert tickets from just about every genre you can expect. So from from a little cover band to the Billy Joels and Elton Johns and, and Led Zeppelins of the world. If they're on tour and there are tickets available, you can find them on TickSplits.com. So thank you very much, TickSplits. Our next part of the show is all about the greatest rivalry in all of sports. And, of course, nothing could be better than to start the 100th season of the NFL with the Bears hosting Green Bay at Soldier Field two weeks uh, from this Thursday, I don't know if this this will air starting Thursday evening or on Friday, but 13 or 14 days from the time you hear this, the Bears are hosting Green Bay. Uh, you can catch it live on NBC, so Al and Chris Collins will be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Aaron and I will be in Section 433, so uh, give us a shout on Twitter. Let us know where you're sitting. Maybe we'll come and visit or we can swap seat locations and you can come and visit us. But uh, Bears-Packers, they have met in the regular season and postseason a total of 198 times. Two of those times were in the playoffs, and they've split those two games. And it is absolutely an incredible, incredible rivalry. So let me give you a couple of, of uh, some statistics. The all-time series, the Packers lead 95-97-6. So the Bears are, are down by two games, unless you're Mike Ditka and think that that should be tied. Uh, there's a game that forever will be known as the replay game, which we talked about earlier in our podcast, and maybe we'll talk about that next week as one of our highlighted games 
that uh, uh, we're going to be talking about today. Um, total point scoring. This is this just stands out as to how close this rivalry actually has been. The Packers have scored 3,434 points in those 198 games. Bears have scored 3,408 points in the history of the rivalry. 28 times, the last 28 times that these two teams have met in the regular season in the playoffs, 17 of those games, the score has been, the margin of victory has been 10 points or less. So it's almost always a close game. It's always throw out the records. Bears have beaten the Packers when, when they were in, in the Super Bowl era in the 60s. And, of course, they, they have beaten the Bears likewise. Uh, the last time the Bears won the NFL championship before the Super Bowl era, uh, they were separated by one game. The Bears were 11-2-1 in the regular season. And the Packers were 11, I'm sorry, the, the Bears were 11, 1, and 2, and the Packers were 11, 2, and 1. So that gave the, uh, the Packers uh, second place in the Western Conference, and the Bears went on to beat the, the New York Giants 14 to 10 in the NFL Championship of 1963. Uh, we're going to talk about two of our favorite, each of us, Aaron and I are going to talk about two of our all-time favorite Bears-Packers games uh, to go back. And part of the things we like to do on Halitech Hall that you, quite frankly, don't find on any other podcast on Bears Twitter is we talk about the rich history of the Chicago Bears. Uh, Aaron's going to talk about a couple of games that are, that are more recent history, and I'm going to talk about some games that uh, we go all the way back to 1968 on one of them. So without further ado, Aaron, what are your two most favorite Bears games? Uh, well, you know, I I, I didn't want to talk about um, last year because that's that's really one of them, but we've talked enough about last year. Um, so I went back a little bit and I found two other games. Uh, one was in 2006, September 10th, 2006, uh, when the Bears beat the Packers uh, 26 to nothing. Um, and uh, this was uh, the first time Brett Favre had ever been shut out. Um, it, you know, this team was Rex Grossman at quarterback, uh, Thomas Jones at running back, Moosin Muhammad, uh, Des Clark, Bernard Berrien. Um, obviously, you had uh, a lot of our defensive favorites um, from from that uh, year, um, you know, Erlacher, Briggs um, and uh, company Tillman, Mike Brown, um just uh, you know, it was it was a, obviously a, a very very uh, good Bears team, um, and it, they also had a rookie uh, on they, that team. They I'm did. Sure you're going to tell us about. Yeah, they had uh, Devin Hester, um, and he had his first uh, punt return for a touchdown um, in that game. Uh, so. Just, you know, I mean, anytime you can beat the Packers is a great day. Uh, if you can um, do what they did to Brett Favre. Brett Favre was 15 for 29 for 170 yards and two picks. Um, 
So they 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 really got in under his skin. Uh, I mean, Rex Grossman outplayed Brett Favre. That's, you know, let me just say that again. Rex Grossman outplayed Brett Favre. That's something um, in and of itself. Um, you know, Moussin Muhammad had six catches for 102 yards. Des Clark had five for 77. Uh, Brett Bernard Berrien had a 49-yard touchdown catch. Um, you know, that was just, I mean, just everything was clicking um, for that team on that day. Um, and uh, another, you know, early season, um, I believe it was the season opener. Um, and and just to, to, to go in there and to, to beat um, the Packers and to dominate them like that uh, was a tone setter. Um, and, uh, you know, really just, uh, you know, to, to do that to Brett Favre and, and for, it to, for us to do it in all phases um, because Robbie Gold, four for four, you know, um, <laughs> we always talk about kickers, don't we? <laughs> we have to at this point. Like, I wish I could ignore them, but you know, it's, it, it, this is what we want, you know, uh, all phases, uh, you know, um, you had our, uh, RIP Cedric Benson and Thomas Jones, and they didn't have a great day running the ball, but they didn't really need to. Um, so, uh, it's, uh, it's, it was just a, you know, a great game to remember. Um, and I'm sure one that Rex Grossman, uh, will tell his kids about, uh, and pull up some film on. So then the, or do you have any thoughts about that game, Mike, uh, uh Mr. Haltech? I, I do. I, I was actually at that game. Uh, oh, wow. I was, I was living in the <laughs> area uh, back in those days. And uh, being a Bears fan in the middle of Lambeau Field was kind of fun. Uh, I, was at, I was actually at Lambeau Field for two games. We won't talk about the second one. But, um, yeah, this was, you know, that was the very first drive of the game for the Bears. And... Berrien just broke wide open. He had a post, uh, a, a skinny post pattern from uh, from the left side of the of the formation, and Rex Grossman just absolutely hit him in stride. And you know, Berrien walked into the end zone. He held his finger up in front of his face mask, so as is as if to say shh to the crowd. Uh, and it was just absolutely fun to see. And then in the fourth quarter, it was just after the, the end of the third quarter, the Packers punted uh, to uh, to the Bears, and Devin Hester caught the ball. Uh, he was a just shy of the left-hand side numbers, and he kind of broke it towards the middle. He cut up field. He broke over to the right and went down the sideline. Nobody touched him. And uh, I actually have somewhere in my uh, – photography equipment i have pictures of that punt return from the time he caught the ball all the way down because i was actually sitting in the end zone behind hester when he caught the ball so uh it was just it was just fun that that started off that whole season and you know we kind of making a little bit of fun about rex grossman uh being the fact that he outplayed um Brad Favre in that game, he outplayed just about everybody. Uh, he was actually, after the first two months of the season, his name was being mentioned as early favorite or most valuable player. And then, of course, uh, the St. Louis game kind of put a kibosh to that. 
the Miami game kind of put a kibosh to that. And then, of course, we know what happened in the Super Bowl against the Colts. But, uh, yeah, that was that started off the whole year. It was just a fun game to be a part of and to be there live. And it's something I'll never forget because it was uh, the first Bears-Packers game I ever had a chance to attend at Lambeau Field. Yeah, so I mean, one. you know, let's hope that uh, let's hope that uh, this season can start off uh, in that same fashion. So the next one uh, is also a September game: uh, Bears versus Packers. Uh, this one was um, the third game of the season. Um, and it was in Soldier Field, uh, September 27th, 2010. Um, so um, this is a game that the Bears actually came back and won 22-17 um, uh, over over Aaron Rodgers. Um, this was, you know, your Jay Cutler-led uh, Bears. And a uh, couple interesting things about this: uh, Johnny Knox had. Uh, four catches for 94 yards. Um, you know, love Johnny Knox. Uh, you know, one of the one of the true um, sad things that it's happened in I think in Bears history was him getting hurt um, and his career being cut short um, because he had so much promise. Um, and uh, so that was you know just just an exciting win to come back. I mean the 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 Packers went up. Uh, early on them, and um, then Robbie Gold, um, <laughs> we got to talk about it, Robbie Gold made a bunch of kicks in this game, um, and it was, you know, it was a lot of field goals, uh, wasn't particularly great game from from the offense other than Johnny Knox, uh, Jay Cutler, 16 for 27, 221 yards, one touchdown, Jay Cutler was actually the leading rusher in this game, uh, three carries for 37 yards. Um, they only had 18 rushing attempts. The Bears did, um, but uh, you know you got a big game from Johnny Knox. You got a big game from Greg Olson. Um, the defense um, had a, had a great day. Uh, they caused um, turnovers. Um, the it, Aaron Rodgers threw the ball 45 times. Uh, the the Packers could not run the ball at all. Um, their leading rusher was John Kuhn, six carries for 31 yards. Um, and they, they actually only ran the ball 15 times. Um, but, uh, it just, you know, just a great win again, a, a three phase win, although the offense probably, um, you know, didn't perform on the stat sheet. They, they did it when it mattered. Um, and you know, just a, a really uh, great win, um, and um, that's all. That's all I got about that. It's a nice, <laughs> nice Bears win um, over the Packers. You know, uh, one of a, a ha- some happy memories um, from, uh, you know, from uh, from the, from that team and from Jay Cutler. Um, and then Devin Hester also had a had a um, punt return for a touchdown in this game. So another uh, similar. Uh, he always seemed to step up against the Packers. He did. Uh, he always uh, he always played well against Green Bay. Uh, Jay Cutler, 16 to 27, 221, one, one TD, one interception, three sacks. Uh, it was uh, not a stellar performance by the offense. Green Bay 
held onto the ball for 35 minutes and 49 seconds uh, in that game. Chicago only had the ball for a little bit over 24 minutes. Uh, the the great equalizer, of course, was there were two things. And Devin Hester's punt return was definitely one of those. Uh, he had it was a, only a 62-yard punt return. It wasn't like the 86-yard punt return he had back in 2006. The other great equalizer was penalties. Green Bay, 18 penalties for 152 yards in that game. They lost a fumble, and of course, Aaron Rodgers was picked off one time as well. Uh, the Bears led the game 14 to 10 until Rodgers scored midway through the fourth quarter on a, a, just a short run. And then, of course, Robbie Gold hit those last two field goals uh, towards the end of the game. They gave him that first tied the game and then with four seconds left to go, kicked the game-winning field goal. Uh, it was only from 19 yards. It wasn't like he was kicking a 43-yarder to the north end zone, which we'll forever remember in, in Bears lore. But uh, he kicked the 29-yard field goal with 3.59 left, and then he kicked the game winner with four seconds left, and the Bears snuck out with a, a victory. Uh, that set them one game ahead of Green Bay in that 2010 year. They they ended up at 3-0. and The Packers fell to 2-1. Two to two and one. and unfortunately, the, the way that season played out, the Bears had a chance to eliminate the Packers on the last game of the regular season that year. And Green Bay won a, just a sloppy game at the last game of the year. And then, of course, went on to, to come into Chicago uh, for the NFC title game and uh, ended up winning that game and going on to, to the Super Bowl. But, Aaron, two great games, two great games in the, the rich history that is the Bears-Packers rivalry. Uh, as I like to do, I like to go back even farther in history. So we're going to go back to the first game we're going to go back to is 1980. The Bears, uh, neither the Bears or the Packers were very good in, in 1980. It was right before um, Coach Ditka came along. Uh, opening day, this is not the game where I'm going to spend most of my time on, but opening day, the Bears were in Green Bay. Uh, went into overtime, tied at six, and Green Bay uh, lined up for a field goal in overtime. The field goal got blocked, and the field goal kicker for Green Bay, who had to be summoned from the locker room because he was fuzzy-headed from doing cocaine during the game, was a guy by the name of Chester Markle. Uh, the field goal got blocked. It ended up coming right back into Markle's hands, and he ran around left end and got into the end zone. I don't even know if he remembers the play. I don't know if he remembered the play after the game, quite frankly, but they ended up beating the Bears 12-6 to on an opening day. The Bears were 5-8, uh, and eight, and the Packers were 5-7-1 and one going into the rematch. It was, a, it was actually kind of a warm day uh, for a December 7th game, but... Uh, what was significant about this game, uh, oddly enough, it was scoreless after the end of the, the first quarter. And then Walter Payton had a one-yard run. He had a three-yard run for a touchdown. Roland Harper had a touchdown run of a yard. James Lofton caught a, a 
15-yard touchdown pass from uh, Lynn Dickey, which was uh, the quarterback then. Jan Stenerud had already replaced uh, Chester Markle by then. And then Brian Bashnagel caught a four-yard pass from Vince Evans. It was 28-7 to at halftime, and the Bears didn't stop there. They proceeded to rattle off uh, a total of 61 points in this game. Walter Payton had a 14-yard run. Earl Robin had a 9-yard run. Um, Ricky Watts had a 53-yard pass reception. Lenny Walterscheid had a touchdown return on an interception. And even Willie McClendon, who was a youngster at the time, got in for a touchdown. Uh, I guess, sadly enough, the Bears didn't kick a field goal in that game, but they didn't need to. They, they actually missed two extra points. Uh, and the final score was was 61 to seven in what is the largest scoring game uh, discrepancy in the history of the rivalry. Uh, the Bears, uh, Vince Evans had a perfect day. His quarterback rating was over 158. He only threw the ball 22 times, but he completed 18 of those 22 for 318 yards. And three touchdowns. He even rested towards the end of the game, and Mike Phipps came in to clean up. He was two for two for 20 yards. Walter Payton, of course, was was on that team, and he had a hell of a day as well. The, and the odd thing about that game is they were still running him late in the fourth quarter when they could have been taking a knee. So that was kind of interesting. Walter Payton had 22 carries for 130 yards and three touchdowns on the day. McClendon had 72 yards on six carries with a 48-yard run thrown into the mix. So it was just an absolute dominating performance by what was, you know, two average teams going at it, but uh, you never know what's going to happen in a Bears-Packers game. So uh, I don't know if you have anything to add about that game. That was a game that I also was in attendance at. I was a season ticket holder back then uh, at the tender age of uh, 20, what, I was 23 years old uh, during that season. So uh, it was an absolute fun game to be at. Well, this is one of the great things about doing this show is that I would never really probably go back and look at this game um, otherwise. And, and I did, I did get a chance to, to look at it. And uh, a couple things, just quick notes about it that I think are interesting is that people forget that this is when um, the soldier field had turf um, and uh, terrible turf that it was, um, which I think is interesting, um, you know, had Astro turf. Um, and uh, one of the things I found, which is pretty interesting comes from, uh, there's a book called um, Mud Baths and Blood Baths, the inside story of the Bears-Packers rivalry. Uh, and there's a quote from Dan Jiggetts where he says, we're in the huddle and the play comes in from the sideline to run the ball. Jiggetts said, we're up by 50 points, but Phipps hadn't had a lot of opportunity to play. They're telling him to run the ball, and he goes, I don't think so. So he starts putting it back up in the air. It was a beautiful thing. Uh, we're trying to rub it in. Absolutely. We wanted 70 points. And uh, the Packers were also upset that uh, Buddy Ryan continued to call blitzes uh, after Green Bay had inserted the backup quarterback, David Whitehurst, with a score of 48 to 7. Uh, and says, 
Angry about the excessive blitzing, Packers head coach Bart Starr confronted uh, Bears counterpart Neil Armstrong after the game, refusing to shake his hand. If anything, Starr's anger should have been vented to his own players, uh, former Bears safety Gary Fensick said in mud baths and blood baths. I think when you walk on the field, you don't expect any favors from anyone. Uh, so that the, it goes on to say the 61 points the Bears scored against the Packers remains tied for the most in a regular season game in franchise history. 54-point differential is the team's second highest all time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, cool stuff to go back and look at. Uh, you know, uh, this obviously this franchise has amazing history. Um, and you just, you know, you hear these names, Bart Starr, you know, coach of the Packers. Um, and, and of course, Buddy Ryan, um, you know, and, uh, you know, just it's just cool to, to look back at, at stuff like that and and think about football at that time. Uh, can you imagine if the Bears had a game like that today, the, the uproar uh, and, and on both sides? I mean, there would be. It would be it would be unbelievable if, if the Bears ran up the score like that and and you know against a backup and you know just kept sending Khalil Mack and I mean it would be I would love it but Packers fans would be like <laughs> would be like pitchforks and torches <laughs> coming for the city so uh, good stuff. Here's some interesting statistics about that game. The Bears ran the ball. 48 times, 267 yards and five touchdowns. They added 24 passes, completing 20 of them for an additional 336 yards and three touchdowns. They scored eight touchdowns against the Packers that afternoon. Uh, They missed two extra points. So I guess we ended up talking about kickers after all, even though they didn't make a field goal in that game. Uh, But uh, I, uh, I truly... Loved every second of that game. The, the temperature was really mild. I wish I had it somewhere. In oh, I the saw it. It was had, uh, but, 56, 56 degrees um, yeah, it was, on December 8th. Uh, so that's no, uh, that's a warm day. Well, it's ironic, you know, the, the last this past year, obviously, you remember December 16th. It was about 75 degrees um, during the during the when the sun was out during that game. So maybe there's something to uh, uh, warm warm weather and uh, and Packers Bears that that uh, in Soldier Field that favors us. December in Chicago can be an interesting thing. We're gonna go way back for the last game of our of our favorite Bears Packers games ever played. We're going all the way back to Sunday, November 3rd, 1968. The Bears uh, were 3-4 uh, and four going into that game. The Packers were 3-3-1 three, three and one going into that game. This is right after Lombardi left the team, and they were coached by Phil Bankston. This is right after George Hallis retired, and they were coached by Jim Dooley. Uh, this is a typical Bears slugfest, Bears-Packers slugfest. It was uh, tied at 10 going into the, the last two minutes of the game. A uh, couple of things about this game. First, this was Gale Sayre's best game rushing the ball in his career. Uh, he had over 200 yards. The, the Bears have only had three 200-yard rushing performances 
in the history of their franchise. As much as we love our running backs, Gail Sayers had one, Walter Payton had two. Both Payton and Sayers had 200-yard games against the Packers. On this day, Gail Sayers ran for 205 yards on 24 carries. He also had a punt return, one punt return for 46 yards. So he was a lot of the offense because, listen to this, Virgil Carter was the Bears quarterback. He was five completions in four, for 14 attempts for 51 yards, two interceptions, and the Bears actually won this game. So what makes this one so special? Well, of course, it was Gail Sayers' best game as a running back for the Bears. And sadly enough, the very next week, he was tragically injured against the 49ers at home. But the Bears were were tied with the Packers. It was in the going into the last minute of the fourth quarter. The Bears had the Packers backed up uh, deep in their, their own territory, fourth down, and they punted the ball away. When they punted the ball away, the, the Packers, uh, the Bears, I'm sorry, uh, called a fair catch. They called a fair catch, and like they sent off their kickoff team onto the field. And like even the announcers are like, what the hell's going on? They didn't realize what was about to happen. But during the last two minutes of each half, if an opponent kicks the ball and it's fair caught by the opposition, they have the opportunity to line up in a kickoff the only difference between a regular kickoff and the, what this is, which is actually called a direct free kick, is you can't use a tee. You can't use a tee, so you have to have the ball on the ground, and it has to be held by your normal holder. And the Bears lined up for a 43-yard direct free kick, and Matt Percival put it through the uprights, giving the Bears a 13-10 to 10 lead, and that's... The last time I can recall, and no, I wasn't at this game, guys. I was, uh, but I was 11 years old. But so I do remember watching it on TV, and I re just remember the, the the baffled comments that we were getting from the announcers about this direct free kick, because not many people knew the rule. I certainly didn't at the age of 11, but George Halas did. He knew the rule book. He probably helped write the damn rule book <laughs> in the many other things that he did in the history of his tenure with the Bears in the NFL. 43-yard uh, kick was through the uprights. The Bears won the game 13-10. to 10. Uh, Aside, Like I said before, aside from the 205-yard performance that Gale Sayers had, Virgil Carter ran the ball 11 times for 56 yards. Ronnie Bull ran the ball for 23 yards. Uh, Brian Piccolo was still playing back then. He had five carries for only seven yards. And then as far as receiving, Ronnie Bull had five yards. Piccolo had 19. Bob Wallace and Cecil Turner had 15 and 12 yards receiving. That was it for the Bears offense. So it was an absolute slugfest of a game. Uh, Bart Starr was the, the Packers quarterback, and even Bart Starr, didn't have the best game. He had 102 rating, but he was he only threw the ball 18 times for 154 yards and a and a touchdown. So they ran the ball a total of 26 times. 
uh, on the game. So not a lot of offense on either side of the ball. It was a typical Bears-Packers slugfest. And as I mentioned before, uh, the Bears always and the Packers seem to always play close games. Uh, 18 or 17 of their last 28 games, the Bears have uh, Bears and Packers. The outcome of the game has been margin has been 10 points or less. So uh, the rich and great history of what is the Bears Packers rivalry. Uh, Twitter, you can come at me. Uh, it is the best rivalry in all of sports. You can have your Red Sox. And Yankees, you can have your Cubs, Cardinals, you can have uh, the the Cleveland Cavaliers and the L.A. Lakers, or, and now the Sacramento Kings. There is no rivalry in all of sports that's better than Bears-Packers, and that includes you Dallas fans and your Dallas versus New York games as well. So, uh, Aaron, you got any last words for us? Uh, no, not not too much to add. Um, you know, uh, thanks for that. That that's uh, you know what you do, and that's so great is to go down uh, memory lane. Um, you know, with games like that, and uh, you know, remind the fans. Um, I, I I there is online. You can go on YouTube, and somebody has the entire uh, radio broadcast of that game. Um, Jack Brickhouse. But yeah, not not too much to add. Just getting excited. Um, you know, we we obviously have the. Um, Indianapolis game on Saturday, uh, no starters are going to play. And even Frank Wright mentioned he's not going to play his starters as we continue to to move towards the Sean McVay, uh, Matt Nagy way of of uh, not playing the starters in the preseason. Uh, hopefully, in my opinion, hopefully this is a, um, a precursor to them reducing the preseason or, you know, doing something to alter it um, to where, uh, you know, these these players are not put in harm's way, um, you know, because at the end of the day, that's what teams are realizing. And it's not worth uh, risking your your most important uh, players uh, for what amounts to a meaningless game. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the oh, probably the only other thing I wanted to mention that we didn't mention was that uh, uh, much maligned uh, draft pick uh, Kevin White was cut by the Cardinals um, this week, uh, which – you know, Bears fans, of course, are still following him. Uh, the the thing that uh, is unfortunate about that for the Bears is that if he had made the team, we would have gotten a compensatory pick. Um, and uh, now we don't. Um, but uh, there was a lot of uh, people, uh, you know, uh, crying about it on Twitter. Oh, 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 you know, poor Kevin White. I'm in the minority maybe on this, but the guy made $16.6 million to basically work out and rehab. And I don't think he ever really tried to learn, you know, never was able to learn the playbook. Uh, I I just, I don't know. I was never a big fan of his. Uh, Obviously he was unlucky with the injuries and whatnot, but um, you know, it's not, uh, it's not something where I go, woe is me. You know, $16.6 million, if he's he's a little bit smart with it, he never has to work again. And, uh, you know, I made the comment that that's more money than most people will make in their lifetimes. Probably about 90% of the planet will never make that much money in their entirety of their lives. Uh, And and people are on Twitter, you know, oh, oh, poor Kevin White, poor Kevin White. It's like he had his chance. It didn't work out. 
he's lucky enough to be picked really high, and he made a lot of money. And, uh, you know, he says he's going to keep trying and, and go for it, and then that's great. Um, I hope he saved his pennies. Um, you know, if, like I said, if he did, he's never going to have to work again. Uh, but just an interesting footnote of another news item that happened this week. I had not seen that. Uh, so thank you. I, I really appreciate you bringing that up. And for, uh, for those of uh, us that are a little bit vague on compensatory picks, it's all about how many players you lose versus how many players you sign in free agency. And the, the Bears were a plus one with Kevin White still on the, the roster of the Cardinals. And when he was cut, that put him down to a net zero of positive and minus. So what that means is next year the Bears will get no compensatory picks yet again uh, in the 2020 draft. Uh, that wraps us up for the most recent episode of Halitech Hall. Of course, I want to thank my co-host and producer, the Big Double A. I want to also thank TickSplits.com. Don't forget, uh, we're giving away tickets. Follow us on Twitter. We get to 500. We're going to give away tickets to the Detroit Lions game in November. And uh, for those of you that joined the, the show, maybe didn't hear all of it because you had to cut away for a bit. One last time, send an email to halitechhall at gmail.com in the uh, uh, subject line, put Bears tickets. And then all you have to do is give us your complete real name and your Twitter handle, and you will be registered to win two tickets to the September 29th game when the Bears host the Vikings at Soldier Field. That does it for this week's episode, Double A. Always a great time. Appreciate your partnership, and we'll see you next week. Yes, sir. Thanks very much, everybody. Have a great week.